Hello and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Post Credits Podcast. Today, we're talking about a movie called Atlantic Rim, which is... (laughs) And that is, I think that is a thing. I think it is. It's totally a thing. That's one of those mockbusters we keep picking on in other episodes where they um, come out with a movie, like a popular movie like this, like Pacific Rim comes out. Yes. Yeah, which is the movie we're actually talking about. We're not talking about. We're not Atlantic. talking about Atlantic yeah. Rim. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, sorry, all... sorry to disappoint you. Right. I, I, the, I don't think any. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if people know about it. Maybe we should point them in the direction. Hey, Amazon link down in the description. No. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm be... sorry I brought it up. Yeah. But there's a whole genre of rotten movies that try to prey upon your brand confusion so they'll put out a movie that's almost exactly the movie that you want to be renting slightly before the movie itself comes out or like right yeah, around like the saving time private out. brian <laughs> right yes or, or snakes on a train or uh, <laughs> yeah. you know yeah stuff like that. amityville in space mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a good one yeah, well, but that's one of those public domain things that they can't it really is. do anything it about. Is. No, they're screwed. Slight, <laughs> slightly different crummy movie genre. But uh, now we're here to talk about Pacific Rim, giant robots, punching giant monsters. This movie's filled with things your inner child should absolutely love. And <laughs> Yes, I agree. And I'm glad you're saying that because unlike myself, this is the first time you've seen this movie. Yeah, you've, you've been after me to watch this for a while. And I, I, I saw just, this in the theaters. I yeah, loved it. <laughs> I, I just resisted because it, it just was like, eh, you know, I go through spurts, right? Where it's like, I'm all about like, the, you know, giant robots for a minute or giant monsters or ninjas or superheroes or Star Wars or whatever. And right when this came out, I had just come down off of watching a rap ton of the uh 2000s godzilla movies so i had had my giant monster film for a while and that that was kind of like it but enough time had passed where it's it's like uh, okay yeah let's let's do pacific rim let's talk about that (laughs) Well, also, at the time, like, Transformers was just coming onto the silver screen as well. They might have been into their second movie. And it's like, well, is it going to be like that? Or is it going to be good? Mm -hmm. You know? (laughs) Uh, uh, I, my friend Chris was like, I don't know about this new Del Toro movie. And he's like, fucking rocket punches? And I was like, dude, that's what sold me for for this trailer. When I saw it, I was like, a rocket? on an elbow punching a giant monster. I mean, that just seems awesome to me. On paper, it looks dumb. It looks so dumb. That reads like, you know, that's it. That's silly. But then seeing it, you're like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, that's pretty cool. So I'm, I'm going to be so happy okay. to talk about this. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into the weapons because some yes. of them have varying qualities of satisfaction to yes, them. Yes, they do. Yes. Uh, all right. So I think that's a good place to put a pen in that, and then we'll be back yeah, in a minute. Yeah, we'll be back. Yeah. Who keeps going to see Top Gun? Who? It's Everybody. Just, it literally just Everybody. became the fifth highest grossing movie Me. in North American history. Yeah. Who I mean, keeps going to see this? I mean, good I don't know, because I haven't seen it yet. It's, you know, so it's not me. It is a good movie. I just can't believe it's a billion dollars plus kind for of movie. One, for not even like having 20 movies leading up to it, you know, like that, you know, like Endgame or Infinity War. Yeah. Didn't have like 10 years of movie making leading up to that one point and everyone saw it. No, it's just a sequel to a movie from the 80s about volleyball and jet that, fighting that nobody you know? really needed but apparently everybody really Just wanted time. <laughs> oh my god i haven't seen a movie in 30 years but when they make that top gun sequel i'm gonna I'm go so there <laughs> i'm so fucking there uh good for it though you know yeah. i hear it's amazing and it's just like an action movie that everyone wants to see it it seems like that's the what i've heard is it seems like it's an action movie that you know, uh, is a really good one. 
you know. Uh, so, and I feel like we've been a little lacking in really good action movies since probably John Wick too. You know. So. Well, you know, I I think it's one of those generational things where people from the eighties remember it fondly, look back. Oh, there's a, there's a new movie that's not a Marvel movie, kind of a thing. Right. You know, because the sad reality is like. You know, you you wonder why there aren't smaller movies, right? Where it's like everything's it, it's got to be a blockbuster, right? Streaming has made that impossible. Like we will never put the toothpaste back in the tube, as far as that goes. You know, you see a movie and it's like, well, you know, it made twice the amount it cost. How is it a failure? Well, it's quite simple <laughs> and sad. In the right. sense that here's the budget for the movie, right? So there, there's $20 million. Now you have to put that same amount of money into advertising. Okay, so yep. that's that's $40 million. Now you come out with the movie. You put it in theaters. It makes $40 million, but you have to split that with all the theater owners. Yes. So now every movie has to, has to gross three and a half, four times its budget just to break even. Right. That's not sustainable. And I feel like smaller movies don't really have a chance anymore. I think... No, that's, they do not. That is where, like, streaming can kind of come in and make things more interesting, but it's also kind of feeding into that model. And, you know, it's just... It's a bizarre question that Hollywood really hasn't been able to answer completely. Um, and well, there's there's just so many problems and so many variables and so many ways to watch a movie now, mm -hmm. you know, like well, and it, and it's disposable. It's like well, right. you know, well, that's I, the first that's minute the didn't get me, so I'll just I'll move on to the next one. Swipe up, you know, go on to something else. And it's yeah, it, it's it's exactly true. That's part of it. And then there's not the DVD launch anymore. You know, before it was like you could see it in the oh, theater, yeah. yeah. You or you could own it on home video. Well, and and that's back and, to the, or, to or the theater problem, it. right? So yeah. it's like, and then the movie gets its release on streaming, and you have to split all that revenue with Hulu, yes, Wh whoever, whoever, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's it's a problem on like a bunch of different fronts, and I think it's almost unsolvable at this point, mm -hmm. you know, because of. Uh, and it's unfortunate because I wonder, like, where, yeah, where are all the, like, really interesting lower budget movies? And it's like, well, a lot of the stuff I've seen that I've really liked a lot has been on, like, premiered on a streaming service, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and not at a theater. It's an interesting, interesting thing. And then on top of that, like, the, uh, the movie theater experience used to be extremely unique, right? where you could only see it that good at the theater, right? Mm -hmm. But now it's like, we've got these fucking amazing TVs, these amazing 4K uh, players. Mm -hmm. Now you get that same image quality if you're willing to spend a grand or two on a home theater system. I mean, like, your projector is pretty amazing, yeah. you know? And it's like, now you can get that image quality at home and not have to deal with, jackass is throwing up from drinking too much vodka in the back of the theater you know so yeah or just you know people running around because they're using the movies as a babysitter or whatever yeah um yeah no that that blows my mind like uh you know just seeing an older movie like i went and saw jaws this past weekend uh you and i were talking about that a little bit before we got on stream here and um you know, th there were kids running around, but it, it's like, it's, you know, like I'm, I'm looking at this. It's like, man, uh, I never saw this on VHS. <laughs> right. You know, right. That, that girl's naked. She's totally naked. <laughs> right. But people in 1975, like even still, I feel like the, the theater experience is probably cleaner than what they would have got because with digital presentation, the film doesn't degrade. So you don't right. get the scratches on it from running it through, just grinding it through sure. day after day after day after day. Um, 
I I don't have any grander thoughts on that. That's just something that is just well, it's not something we can solve. It's yeah, just yeah, no, where it's where it's at. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right, man. Let's so, have it. Rings of Power is out now. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah. it's kind of interesting. Um, I haven't watched any of it, so I'm not going to comment on if mm -hmm. it's a shit show or if it's something worthwhile. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm not really interested, but that's beside the point. This is the first time that I've heard of Amazon not allowing reviews on a movie or show on their website. They have uh, banned reviews for Rings of Power for three days because of the, I guess, perceived backlash on it. Mm -hmm. uh, there seems to be people that are very vocal about how much they hate it. But even when you go to like audience reviews or critic reviews, it seems like it's pretty high, like enough for be like, oh, that looks like it could be good. Yeah, you know, like 80 percent on I, Metacritic. Right. Yeah, that's still that's like I think if it's above 70, you're good to go. It's probably finding some sort of entertainment value in that, you uh -huh. know. Uh, so that's really funny. And it it makes me wonder how bad the reviews are. Like, are they is it just full of like hatred you know like we can't have any more of this type of review mm -hmm. on our website because of how bad they are i've never heard of that i've heard of youtube videos having the comments turned off but it's usually because there's some sort of controversy that has happened re revolving yeah. around the creator yeah you know? or, or the uh, community is turned toxic for whatever reason yeah yeah um, or if it's like that... political stuff yeah, you know? that, that seems to be my sense is like people who've already made up their minds to hate not, on it, not like the show before it even came right. out. And that seems to be the case, too. And now it's like hey, review. I can review it now. I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, but right. now I'm just going to throw up some comments <laughs> or know? or I've already watched it, even though they've made up their mind to hate it and then just invented made up reasons yeah. to hate it for so like right. you know it, yeah. it's so fascinating too because like star wars kind of has the same problem with the fan base where like hey here's a new star wars thing give us new star wars we hate this to death <laughs> it's like but they gave you the thing that you were asking for but you right. i don't know that nobody I hates mean, star wars I, like I star wars a, fans and the, the lord and of the I rings series seems haters. to have kind of the, the same hang up in its fandom yeah i see it time and time again especially like when the hobbit came out i don't really have a problem with the hobbit series or uh trilogy right mm -hmm. but man there are some people that i know that just they hate it and i was like it's not as good as lord of the rings but it also didn't really get under my skin you know it's just yeah, like right. that, that was fun I watched him each a couple times, you know? Mm. So, hey, I got my money's worth, but I don't know. It's interesting. But I, I am a hater of Star Wars. I'm in that camp. But it is limited to two instances, not the whole thing, not all of Star Wars. It's two, and I can give you very specific reasons. I've thought, I've thought about it's, them for decades yeah. at this point, you know? It's been but well, that is not, well documented. Yes, that is not for this podcast episode. Maybe. Maybe sometime we'll have like a therapy episode where I just go into oh. like all the reasons that I don't like Star Wars in these that, two movies, you know? So Yeah. That that could be a fun live stream. Yeah. You 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 giving me therapy. Sorry it hurt you, Matt. <laughs> Talking about it for four years now. Okay. <laughs> so. All right. <laughs> so anyways, yeah. I don't know. Well, I guess where do you want to begin? Because we were talking about this beforehand. Like you said, I hadn't yeah. seen it before. Yeah. You know, my, my thoughts are going to be a little bit more general, whereas you've got some of the more, like, juicy, deep-dive tidbits. Yeah. I mean, well, I guess we can start with, like, how this movie came about at all. And it's kind of like a couple things. Like, uh, Guillermo del Toro, he wanted to show off his love for Godzilla movies or, you know, kaiju movies, not specifically godzilla but you know there's that's what people mostly know you mm -hmm. know uh and then there was like this interesting thing that happened he was going to be making hp lovecraft's at the mountains of madness 
and Tom Cruise was going to be in the main role. He was attached to Star, yeah. Yeah. And um, they wanted, he want. there was some sort of like, it's kind of foggy how it all came together, but he wanted more money and the studio wanted it to be a better rating than R. And I mean better by like PG-13 or PG When you say he wanted more money, he wanted more money to make the movie, not for, to pad his salary. Right. He wanted a higher budget. He wanted a higher budget. Yeah. Yeah. And um, kind of at the same time, a spec script for Pacific Rim kind of landed on his desk, right? So he's really passionate, and he, he really wanted to make At the Mountains of Madness, but he didn't, he was not seeing eye to eye with the studio. But when he saw Pacific Rim, he was like, oh, this could be like a really interesting story and kind of up my alley with what I've always wanted to do. Um, and so he basically, what he did was he said, okay, look, I don't want to compromise with At the Mountain of Madness, but if you cancel it, I'll do Pacific Rim. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. Uh, so that, that discussion happened on a Thursday, the production of At the Mountains of Madness fell apart over the weekend on Monday, he signed on to do Pacific Rim. It was kind of like that, that quickly, you know? So that's how the how the production started for this movie, you know, which is interesting. You know, I would have loved to see uh, him do At the Mountains of Madness uh, just because of his visual style is so uh, appealing to me, at least, you mm-hmm. know, I, uh, I, I love, except Mimic. Mimic doesn't really seem like it's one of his movies, even though it is. Although the rest of his movies seem visually similar, so. yeah. Well, I mean, like, Blade 2 is just fucking cool. I mean, it's just... Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I, I guess that should have been a good sign for a movie like this that where it's just like, no, you're just going to have a good time because, like, he really knows how to make things look cool. But not right. not in, like, a, you know, Michael Bay, Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder. Yeah. car commercial kind of way. Like, it's just, like, really cinematic cool, you know, yeah. like, using the tricks of cinema to... Oh, exactly. Like, the sense of scale, I think, is really impressive in this movie, uh, how big these creatures are. Um, and it, it's like all the camera work is done from, like, the street level, looking up, you know? It's never, like, you don't see too many shots where it's, like, looking down or on eye level with the monsters. It's either, like, from a... If it is, it's like, oh, you can feel like you're in the building. Like, when they're in the city, it's like you could be watching it from your office in these... Uh, skyscrapers you know mm-hmm. or um you know like you'll see them when they were like bringing it towards the finale like when they were bringing the two last jaegers in they're like flying them in with helicopters and it's like we're on the sea looking up at like all this water yeah. falling off them you it's know like and, we're in a boat yeah filming it yeah Th- that's that's something that um that a, a visual effects artist told me one time where you know like people who don't quite compose their CG in compelling ways, they kind of idealize where the camera should be placed. And the the way it was described to me, because it's exactly what you're talking about, I'm hearing this all come flooding back, is like, you know, imagine you're doing like a CG jet or like a spaceship, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, where, where, where do you want to put your camera? And if this was real, where could you put your camera? So if in the case of a jet, you would have to be in another jet filming it. So you couldn't yeah. necessarily be like out in front orbiting around, you know, side to side. You have to think about where you could realistically put your camera if this was happening. And that's totally what they did here with a lot of like the, well, we're on top of buildings, but they're so much taller than buildings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I love that. And then the colors. Uh, I I would even go so far as to say like the what the colors are in this movie, like has influenced artwork that I make, because I want that like contrast of that, like super saturated dark. That's not black. It's always like a blue or something, but it feels like it's black. And then these like almost neon colors going Mm -hmm. in the opposite direction. It's like that complete contrast, like from the way down deep to really up high, you know, uh, and like very little in between. 
Uh, so it's always really appealing to look at. And I feel like the, in even in uh, Godzilla versus Kong, when they were in Tokyo battling, I feel like it was trying to rip off Pacific Rim. You know, mm, okay. it's almost the same color composition, color theory or whatever uh, in that small segment compared to this entire movie. Yeah. You know? all, so, all of them. It's... Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be um, a hard thing to art design because it really does. Similar to Las Vegas, it really does feel like kind of an, an assault on your senses. But yes, but there is a style to it where, you know, it's not just kind of like you know motion graphics vomit it's like no there's there's a reason behind this yeah. neon um let's let's come back to the sense of scale just for a minute because like th this is one of the few uh dinner party facts that i have about the making of the movie now 3d was was big at the time because avatar came out in like 2009 i think yeah and so there's a big push to get a lot of, you know, especially big spectacle movies like this into 3D. And there still kind of is, even though they don't release them in 3D anymore. Uh, but so I, I didn't watch this movie in 3D. I know I know we keep harping on that just because out of coincidence, like that's two 3D movies we watched. I watched in 3D in a row. Right. Did not watch this one in 3D. Watched it on HBO Max. But it, it was interesting because when I was doing my research on this, he was against doing 3D for it um, because because of the sense of scale. Because when the creatures are so large, he felt like in order to get like a good sense of, of parallax mm -hmm. for the camera happening, you would have to kind of humanize the scale of them. And he did change his mind kind of mid-course and apparently... The 3D post conversion for this movie took 40 weeks. Oh my god, that's like a third of the whole production time, right? No, 40 weeks. No, oh yeah, no. Were, I'm way up. Were they going as they went, or did was the movie finished for almost a year? Right. Yeah, like when did they finish making this movie so they could do the 3D effects? Yeah, mm -hmm. like that's that is such a long time. Yeah, I have, and it's a shame because I, I I still can't see it, you know. So yeah, well, and then he made some crack <laughs> about like, well, you know, what what do you want? I, I'm not running for office. I changed my mind. <laughs> right. Right. Sue me. Um. So now, after you've seen the movie, let's let's talk about your thoughts on it. Uh -huh. for a minute not having seen it when it came out you just saw it a couple days ago mm -hmm. what are your thoughts i i liked it i thought you know you couldn't help but have fun with it because it was stylish um you know there, there's a lot of stuff that you should probably stop to question that you really don't oh yeah like what what exactly is that i have some i have some <laughs> that's like hmm okay yeah. Like, like the whole concept of the drift, you know, they don't really, oh, yeah. they don't really touch upon that. Um, I, I think there's story reasons for that because they want to tie the people into the machines, but also give you more of a relationship, a, a more of a personal connection to those characters. So their, right. their pseudoscience reason in this universe is that you need two people to share the neural load. Yeah to, to operate the max yeah yes because it would be too much for one person's brain to handle right that's a bizarre concept that can only exist because you want to have this buddy dynamic and yeah and this personal connection between these characters and not in a top gun you're my bro bro wingman yeah. bro kind of way you can ride my tail every day that, that's what that's what Val Kilmer says right at the end of the movie. But you know what, though, that like I think that's what really sets it apart from something like you know, like like a robot jocks or or, or any of these other movies, whether right. whether it's a Top Gun or whatever, where it's like the man and the machine relationship, you know. And I I think that's fascinating. It, it's as cool, like it's equally as cool as it is silly, 
because of like it's like oh i i kind of get it like oh it's this big machine like you would have to have more brain power to operate it or it'll kill you right mm -hmm. but then like the whole drift compatibility thing is like never explain yeah it. <laughs> right right and it seems like it's um like it works great or better if you're family members right mm -hmm. or strangers so it's like does it even matter like why do we even because it's like he doesn't know mako until he gets there and then he's like we're so drift compatible bro yeah because <laughs> we had a fight i mean it, it starts out as this like you know will they won't they meet cute kind of yeah. romance thing right which never comes to fruition which whether you find that frustrating or not i didn't care right um i didn't but yeah, they they have to have their bow staff fight in, right. in in order to you know. But then there's like no further qualify. I don't know. It's just like yeah. So bow staff fighting, and then you're like drift compatible. You know, if you can equally beat each other up with the bow staff. Follow up question though. Does it even matter at the end of the day? You know, because it's still like what comes after like this stuff of being drift compatible is some really awesome fight sequences, you know? So it's like, I guess, you know, like it's one of those things where it's like you could critique it, but then like the stuff that comes out of this kind of silly idea is still pretty cool, you know? Well, they, they even try to apply that to the monsters too because they, they use kind of a like the dinosaur concept for the kaiju where you know they they kind of need like multiple brains in order yeah. to because they're so large and when when charlie day's character goes in there i mean they it's it's all very loosely connected but <laughs> right. they, they do still kind of try to use that concept to justify like oh no see like even in biology you need two brains to move something this massive right right which I, I, it's it's still fine, I guess, you know? Yeah. So it's one of those things where I think this movie has some things that are just kind of like out of its depth, but then at the same time, like it doesn't really matter because it's not, doesn't take down the story, you know, or, you know, like numerous other action movies set around certain IPs. We don't need to get into them specifically, but it's like some of the ideas that they bring to the table are just like, oh, that's dumb. And it kind of hampers the story where it's like, this is a thing that happens in the movie, but it doesn't really sacrifice anything for the enjoyment of the movie, you know, with, or it's story development, you know? Yeah. So with something like this, there's kind of a natural sense of wonderment when they're building the world for the first time and you've never seen it before. And to not get bogged down in the minutia of that the way that a lot of futuristic movies do i think works to this movie's credit and you just kind of go with it which isn't to say that there isn't an art to that because a lot of movies will will introduce things and just kind of skate past them and you and you're like just kind of frustrated left with this like what? but the thing huh <laughs> yeah right. and I think the fact that you just kind of go with this, right? You know, once you start pulling at it, it's like, well, I mean, you could call this kind of a dumb movie, but it's done well, and and you you do tend to just go along with it. So right, it I think it's an example of like how that's done well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because like I don't know, it's this is probably one of my favorite action movies ever you know uh it's on a short list you know with like die hard speed uh uh a lot of those types of movies you know um mm -hmm. i've seen this movie so many times probably like 20 plus times oh, wow. you know uh multiple formats you know same type of thing as like the thing it's like oh, all right i guess i'm buying this if they do like 20 million K. Oh, like, yeah. I guess I'm buying Pacific this... Rim again. <laughs> you, know? you know what? It might hold up because like I was watching this on HBO Max and I, I will say out of the different streaming services, I don't know what your opinion is, but I, I feel like Disney Plus and HBO Max have the best streaming quality. Oh, yeah. 
Um, they they don't seem as like buffery or as throttling as as some of the other ones. I mean, your your mileage may vary. I'm just watching it through my smart TV, right? And you know, maybe the apps are just better optimized on those. But you know, I, I'd watch it through my PlayStation Five. But you know, well, I'll that, say that thing's that... kind of a power vampire. So I'd rather just use it to play video games instead of right. <laughs> um, but but um, the CG really held up. Like, I mean, for a movie that's 2013 is when this came out uh yes yep 2013 yeah it's nine years old which isn't to say that like oh my god that's in the stone ages but the way that jurassic park holds up i feel like pacific rim is at a level of parody that holds up to practically anything that comes out today whereas avatar came out in 2009 and i I watched that fairly recently and at the time it was some of the best cg ever and it still looks pretty good but i i feel like we've we've passed that right like the the median quality of cg is now past what avatar was mm, yeah it's still in the upper echelons of like really damn good looking but it's not like best in class anymore right Right. This new one might be, but I, I feel like Pacific Rim, man, I don't know. I I feel like it's probably up there with just some of the best CG that of anything that's coming out today, and we're almost 10 years later. Right. Well, I, I just, part of it, I think, is, like, there's so much, like, eye candy to look at, you know? There doesn't seem to be, like, any kind of wasted space with, like, camera work. I say camera work because it's, like, uh, when you're talking about action with giant, robots fighting giant monsters in the city it's like okay well should it just be called an animated film at this point you know so you know uh but it it does a great job of that you know of um being able to like flesh out all the little details that you see everywhere and i think that's part of the reason why it still holds up as far as like that cgi quality goes because i mean like it's raining most of the time and you're just seeing like these this water like flow off like the monsters moving or mm-hmm. from their mouth or and then they got that like kaiju blood that is thicker than water so when they even in underwater scenes like it's still kind of like flowing out of their mouth instead of becoming this cloud of blue around them mm-hmm. you know the, the yeah, water did look absolutely gorgeous yes uh it, it just like the the way that the waves were crashing and then you know the way that they're moving their fists around through it uh, I, I did find that a lot of that was very art directed. It wasn't like happy accident. We have this procedurally generated ocean and that's just physics at play with really crazy right. systems. It was like, Hey, you know, I, I kind of want this wave to do this thing like this painting. And he right. would show ILM artists, the like John Knoll who worked on like the star Wars prequels paintings of what he wanted the waves to look like and to be doing so that a lot of that stuff was kind of like custom wrangled and it's mm, just chef's kiss <laughs> yes so what let's let's start talking about like the fight sequences or the act like the the beefy part of the movie you know i i can't say anything bad about like how exciting these sequences are like it's just amazing to me um uh, where it, it has this quality, or this whole movie has this quality of like ratcheting up, you know, like the action. And it starts off strong. And sometimes you have movies that it's like it has a strong opening. And then it's like it, it doesn't get any better than that. Like the movie could still be great. But as far as sequences go, and it just seems like the next sequence is more crazy than the one we saw. Yeah. And it just is like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to go further. We're going to go further, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and then you have, like, the lizard. Like, I think one of the coolest sequences that I've seen in such a long time is when he's fighting the 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 serpent one with the wings. And it goes from, like, them fighting in the ocean in the bay outside of the Shatter Dome, which reminds me of the Danger Room from X-Men, okay. you know? Uh-huh. And then the they he beats the hell out of that ape one. And then now they're in the city... And it's like, oh, by the way, this one has wings too. 
you know, and then you get the whole sequence of them fighting each other, you know, up mm-hmm. into the upper atmosphere and then crash landing down. <laughs> 50,000 feet is where uh, Gypsy Danger got dropped from. You know, that's it's pretty high up there. Yeah. You know? It's just that's... awesome. Wow. Yeah, no, it, it is. And I, I didn't re- think that thing had wings and that, but that's when I was like, oh, they're kind of doing like the, um, I, I forget which Godzilla character that was referencing. Cause I, I know that some of these were references to different ones. Cause like the knife head was kind of like the more plotting, like, right. You know, guy in a rubber suit kind of on all fours kind of like slapping his way through the building <laughs> kind of um like like Angerus, I, I think is the name of the godzilla one okay that's like that I'm but um what's that oh i was gonna say i'm still not as familiar with all the monsters in godzilla and i probably couldn't name anyone and i'd have to tell you the movie i saw it then you know like, um, it's this one yeah. yeah it was in the end of that one it used know? to be easier because they <laughs> used to be called godzilla versus monster x godzilla versus this thing <laughs> yeah yeah then they started trying to be clever with it, but uh, side tangent, real quick, as we normally do. I think I found a new Godzilla movie that gives the Matthew Broderick Godzilla movie a run for the money, as far as like how bad it is. Um, it's part of the actual canon. Yeah, yeah, it's the the one after uh, Godzilla two thousand, and the, it's the one where they um, they create a black hole uh for to throw godzilla into it's like a they make this giant gun and it can shoot a black hole on earth it's just so stupid it's just such a letdown we were riding high like and that one just godzilla 2000 and then yeah godzilla 2000 was awesome yeah that crater is where the next movie lands (laughs) yeah yeah I, i i feel like uh it is it x mecha godzilla is that the next one after that I think and, so. And then it's Tokyo SOS and then Final Wars. There's six in there from that's in the Millennium arc. Oh, okay. six movies. So Well, four of four of the five of those that we mentioned are really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It did take the wind out of my sails for a minute, so I gotta get back into it. But mm-hmm. I do like them. I do like me some uh, Godzilla movies finally. So Yeah. Yeah. Tangent I, over. Yeah. I like that millennial <laughs> series, but yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. Uh, yeah, uh, Del Toro called this a conscience of the heritage, but not a pastiche or or an homage or a greatest hits. And Those I, are a I, lot of fancy words. They, what does that even mean? <laughs> well, it's he wanted to be conscious of those movies. Yes. But not like hey we're doing our own version of that like he wanted to introduce new concepts that you've never seen before and and he did like he did some a couple things that we've never seen in 20 plus godzilla movies with the uh the kaiju birth yeah that weird sloppy (laughs) kaiju birth i Um, love ron perlman in that sequence like that's awesome. Where he was like out of breath trying to get back on camera and then he throws the knife at him and, you know, because uh-huh. his lungs were not fully developed. You know? Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> so he's saying what he can't. He's saying the things that's causing him not to breathe either, which is what I found funny, you know? Yeah. So. Uh, oh, OK. Yeah. See, I, I just took it like he was being a dick for running away and then he was making fun of Charlie Day for being scared when it's like well you ran away too like you know yeah as one would because you're not just gonna go toe-to-toe with that thing and punch it out like i i i would fly to a different continent that i wouldn't even be in the same same block same city block as that creature i'd be like next flight out of tokyo please where to anywhere but here you know um on the subject of, <laughs> of ron perlman i i couldn't help but feel like he looked like a Final Fantasy character, like like especially newer Final Fantasy, like the way that he was dressed with the glasses with the and everything. Glasses, and then his um, shielded shoes. I don't even his... know what to describe them as. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> armored shoes. Yeah, you know his, his fancy 
steel-toed <laughs> combat boots there. Yeah, yeah. What was the other thing? I think another one, because I think I read part of the same thing, maybe. I didn't have it in my notes, but he said he also wanted to show the perspective of a monster attack from, like, a, a child. From, from a child's perspective, yeah. Yeah. Which you saw in the flashback for the Make a Mori character. Yeah, yeah. Which is uh, intimidating. This just giant crab. Imagine being, like, five or six years old. You're in an alley. Mm -hmm. This crab's like, come, come here. Ah, I got to kill you you yeah. know and that'd you, be just, terrifying your parents are just gone you just don't know what's going on it's just right right yeah. hey can we go back to the drift thing can we like dissect the drift a little bit more can you explain it to me <laughs> and then maybe yeah sure let's talk well, about and... that because they well, sure don't okay. yeah well i almost feel like they're kind of like the drift almost feels like it's like force powers from Star Wars, you know, because he was like uh, Idris Elba was saying to uh, Mako uh, that, like, I'll always be in the drift. So I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, is he really going to always be there? Like his soul is in the drift or it's just like she can access the memories of him in the drift. Mm hmm. Yeah, I felt like he was just, um, you know, it was just kind of like a futuristic way to see it, see you on the other side. I didn't feel like it had, oh okay, any I more too much into it magical force connotations <laughs> than it probably already feels like it does because it's like, hey, you know, we had this bow staff fight together, so now we can walk in perfect sync, which looked really cool I know, I with know. like those treadmill things that they're on. You know, that looked neat. And then they're doing this, th these kind of things in perfect Harmony. synchronicity. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I feel like you would need a little bit more training than like, let's just beat each other's ass with a bow staff. With bow or... staff. We got, we got bow staff skills, bro. <laughs> like, we're good to go. We can, you know, now pilot this. How, how, that million pound mech suit, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Save the planet. Cancel the apocalypse, you know? Yeah, we're canceling the apocalypse. Today. That was, <laughs> uh, yeah, you could. I I don't know. Did you think that was cheesy? I I thought like, oh, that's super cheesy. But but, but it's it, a different way of saying it. And when Urgis Alba says it, it's. It, I mean, yeah, he's got he puts some respect on it. You know. Yeah. You know, he doesn't say it in any dorky, like ironic connotation at all. But yeah. I think it whereas, works. Whereas if I read this uh, Bill Pullman speech from Independence Day, you'd probably be like, yeah. And yeah, today yeah, we're not getting behind that guy. It's <laughs> our canceling apocalypse day. <laughs> it's just no. Uh, here's what I like about that line. And I think here's why it also works in this movie. I don't think it can work in any other movie, like any other apocalyptic movie, whatever it may be. Like we're going to can't we're going to. It's our rally cry to cancel the apocalypse. I don't think it'll work. So my, I think because this movie is so over the top in so many other scenarios that when dialogue is over the top as well, it also fits in what we've already seen so far, you know, where it's just like, this is bonkers. And then you have Idris Elba, who's like an amazing actor saying, today we cancel the apocalypse. Well, I mean, I, I feel like it, the movie wasn't full of lines like of like try hardy lines like that, which it is probably why it stands out as really good in context, because if, yeah. if it was, you'd probably be exhausted from just getting hammered with like dude bro shit for the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because the, the yeah. characters, for the most part, that are a little more... Um, idiosyncratic or like charlie day and the other doctor with yeah. their like bickering back and forth yeah i i like those two together but yeah the i don't know i guess it all fits like the, i don't really have a problem with the dialogue even though if you were to like just read it it sounds ludicrous you mm -hmm. know so yeah i don't know don't have a problem with it i but i think it all fits together really nicely these crazy monsters, these like robots, and then this crazy dialogue. It doesn't seem like it's out of place. So, 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. Now, you were saying you had some interesting facts about Del Toro. I do. And I don't ever really, like, get into, like, directors. Or, or I shouldn't say directors, but, but, like, the pasts of people, you know? Or, but I found Del Toro to be really interesting. It's pretty fascinating. And usually, like, when I have a, a list of these, I put, like, fun like fun facts about this movie, you know, so I can mm-hmm. see it at a glance when I'm looking through my notes. But it's, like, I can't even really call them fun. Just interesting. So we'll start from the top, I guess. Uh, so Del Toro turned down a chance to direct Blade, Trinity. Obviously, he, was, he would have been in line because of Blade 2, mm-hmm. which is a great movie, you know? Yeah. He turned down that as well as Alien vs. Predator, which we had both talked about this. I just think like that would have been so fantastic to see this director known for putting like creatures into his movie direct a creature feature like Aliens vs. Predator or Alien vs. Predator. That would have been awesome. It might have actually been good. Right, right. And then he he turned down Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban in 2004 to work on his dream project hellboy right he loved hellboy still loves it and in fact like even to this day even two months ago ron perlman is like hey del toro get off your ass and let's make hellboy three you know and i'm like well he's he's doing a lot you know <laughs> like he's not, not oh, sitting around he is you know? so busy he's always got yeah. ten thousand projects that he's attached to at any given point he, in time yeah uh, just the writing credits alone like he he wrote well say what you will about the movies but he wrote the hobbit co-wrote that you know for the screen Mm -hmm. so say what you will about how the movies hold up but still i mean that's that's a pretty big deal for him to have a credit for that he was actually supposed to direct him anyways so (laughs) jump forward four years he turns down i am legend god that would have been a great one too there's so many projects good too (laughs) yeah there's so many projects that he turned down where i'm like man i would have loved to see that if he got his hands on it you know so i am legend one missed call Eh, harry potter and the half-blood prince he got offered another harry potter movie he turned all those down to work on hellboy 2 that's how much he loves hellboy so crazy and also i'm pretty sure it's because like ron perlman and del toro are, are like really good friends so it's all like Rod Perlman has been in like four or five of Del Toro's movies. You know, Blade to the Hellboy movies, Nightmare Alley. Oh, this one. Five, you know? Okay. So, uh, <laughs> he's also a little eccentric with his collecting, like another person we kind of like a little, which is Nicolas Cage. This guy's movie collection, movie and comic book collection, is so massive that he has a second home just for his movie and comic book collection. <laughs> just for those. Right? Wow. Just like fill your house up with movies and and comic books, Brian. And it'd still be probably smaller than this director's I, second I, home I just for his. Be. Yeah. 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 But then here's like a another weird thing that I found, which is kind of more serious. Like the first three were like lighthearted, but like so he had like international breakthrough with like some of his movies and he was becoming more of like a named director. Mm-hmm. How you get to a certain point where it's like, oh, this is the next movie by this guy. I'm going to see it just because he made it or woman, you know? Mm-hmm. So he had that like international breakthrough where people were beginning to know him. And then his dad was kidnapped because of it and held for ransom for 72 days. Th- now, this is in Mexico? Been... Yeah, yeah. And because that's where he's from and um, held for 72 days, um, was struggling to pay the ransom, you know, Um, and come to find out James Cameron, of all people, helped get get the money together to pay these people so that Del Toro could get his dad back from these kidnappers, which is like mind blowing to me. Wow. You know, this was back in 97, so this would have been around Mimic, I guess, you know? But that's so terrifying that, like, because you became famous and because that's where you came from, like, your dad was kidnapped. 
for money. Like that's like insane. And then on top of that, James Cameron of all people coming in to save the day. So they must have had some sort of like awesome friendship because like that just is not going to happen if, unless you have like deep ties with that person, you know? Sure. Yeah. That was really awesome of them. So even though like James Cameron cannot release the abyss on 4k, I don't know. I think a little bit better of him that he got his Del Toro's dad back. You know, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So he, he okay. went up a couple notches, you know, well, I'm, I'm good. There's some solve for that. Wound. <laughs> yeah. Um, the scuttlebutt on that is that once Avatar comes out, um, or maybe slightly before the new Avatar comes out, that they're going to put out the original Avatar in 4K as well as some of his other movies that have gotten 4K treatments because of renewed interest. Because I had heard, and I wasn't able to confirm this, but I had heard that it was on HBO at a certain point in time and then it was like taken off. The Abyss? And True Lies. Yeah, the Abyss popped back up on either Stars or Cinemax right now. But yeah, it's not the, the 4K it's a, version. It's a, right. And also not the extended edition. Yeah. You know, which I'm I'm gonna harp on that. Like people need to see that movie, that version. The Abyss theatrical it's, it run should is be the a only good version. movie. It's yeah, a good it's, movie. But the extended one is great, you know. There, so. There's very few times where I feel like those extended versions are transformative in any meaningful way and not just like, okay, that was more of something that I, I already was in sympathy with. Um, I, I, I'll never watch the theatrical version of The Abyss nope. again. Like that's, nope. that's how different the context of that is especially at the end where like where it matters <laughs> like right right like it it's so crazy and i don't want to spoil it for anybody i don't want to talk about it because it's one of those things even though the movie it was made in 88 or 89 right but i feel like so few people have actually seen that version where it's like this is the one time where it's like i, I want it to come out so people can see that version without knowing anything about it you know so you're welcome, Internet. You were um, kind of harping on this for being, you know, ostensibly an animated movie. Not harping on it, but I was just saying, like, you get to a certain point where it's like there's so much CGI involved in a single shot mm -hmm. or sequences that it's like, well, it's less that it's it, it's moving towards like just an animated movie but i know that there's a difference well you know? yeah and yet there there was a, a company that did an extensive amount of miniatures for this okay so one one shot that i didn't know was uh actually real was when the the fist punches through the office building yeah and it hits the and and it yeah that things. that that was dumb but yeah. pun punching through the building that was actually a quarter scale office model no like, shit just of all things just think yeah, about okay. that a quarter scale of a real building is still really freaking big and Whoa. then and then the fist was an actual like hydraulic thing that they punch through the model. That's amazing. Just to just to put that in reference, like it's usually ten to twelve feet per floor. So if it's ten stories, it's still twenty still over twenty five feet tall. Yeah, yeah, that's how big their miniatures are. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, it might have been that floor. So if the floor yeah. is yeah. Yeah, then that's still like a three foot tall. Right. Yeah. Three, four <laughs> yeah. foot, whatever it is. Yeah, that's massive. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then there's like another shot where um, one of the Jaegers gets thrown down on on a stadium. And that that was a mini. I, I'm pretty sure the, the robot was probably CG, but um, the stadium was like a miniature, like another quarter scale miniature. And they're just like, you know, blowing it apart with 
air cannons and different pyrotechnics and stuff like that. It must have been a blast to be on set when they had miniatures and they're like, here's no, our fake stuff intended. that we're going to put. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> must have been a blast. Yeah. Yeah. I get it now. I know what I see what you did there. <laughs> Walked right into that one. <laughs> oh, man. No, well, I love this movie. And, and in the time that they had, because one of the other things that I came across was that the movie was shot in 103 days, whereas previously the the shortest turnaround shooting schedule that, that Del Toro had was 115 days, which, you know, it sounds like a lot, but when you've got a movie that's this complicated with this many special effects and, and so many different apart departments and units filming on it at one point in time, the the level of that man really has his brain together um it, it's astounding because it, it's yeah. not it's not just the five thousand projects that he's working on at any given point in time it's to make a movie this complex in a hundred and three days which is just barely over three months he was working 18 20 hour days for the whole time yeah and that's even after because he's like kind of known for really uh pre-visualizing like every little detail all this stuff and even talks about like even detail that he puts into it like his he was talking in in some maybe it was a commentary track or a making of he was talking about how he even likes to have details like logos he's like yeah someone designed that logo on purpose you know it's not just something we pulled from here and mm -hmm. you know kind of kit bashed some visual reference it's like no people were designing all this stuff but he is thinking about all of these things like to the littlest amount of detail so that when it's time to pull the trigger and start filming it's like well all that stuff's in place we're just kind of sticking to the plan all the way through you know mm -hmm. so which, which, which is easier said than done because things oh, can yes. and do go I'm, haywire all the time. I'm making it sound so simple that if you just plan everything out, like you could make a movie. It, it no, just happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. But I'm saying that, like, I think he's obsessive about planning it out, you know? So, well, his his craftsmanship is meticulous, is, is mm -hmm. I, I think, the, uh, the way that I would put that. And I, I think that really shows because it's, He's one of the best damn craftsmen, not only in genre films, but in all of filmmaking. It's just that he happens to enjoy genre movies and bless his heart. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I, I think there's only like one that I was not really loving of his. Mimic, that was, you um, said. Mimic is fine. I own it. And I'll watch it from time to time, but it was Crimson Peak that is like the kind of the one that I'm like, it's not hitting me. Oh, like the, the all Hiddleston. those other movies. Yeah, yeah. But then like the rest of them are great. But I have not seen Nightmare Alley yet, so yeah. which is his newest. Well, but yeah, well, I just saw this for the first time, so I, now I haven't right. seen his other new right. ones. Well, and also side note: do not watch Pacific Rim Uprising. It is you know what? not good. <laughs> that's that's what I've heard. And as much as I enjoyed this, I I think I'm fine with there not being a sequel to it. Yes. Because if there was a sequel, you would have to kind of expand on some of these things that they just you just sort of went with in this one. And I don't need that. Nope. <laughs> is nope. it is that basically what the second one kind of did? Or was it just like, well, let's do the story again? Like, we blew up the breach, but they're back somehow. Oh, we got to talk about that before we sign off. I can spoil it. That because I, I don't think it's I don't think it's a movie worth seeing. You know, t t tell I me can... off air. I, I don't. Okay. I don't. All right. I'll tell you as soon as we get off here. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we put up a bonus of me spoiling the movie for you. So anyways, continue. they they knew where the monsters were coming from this whole time because they've tried yes. to destroy it before. Yes. So that got me thinking like, you know, how come they didn't have any defenses posted up around that thing? It's, it's like they, that's a good question. They Bert. waited 
they waited for the monsters to come to them before they deployed the, uh, you know, it's not something I was thinking about when I was watching the movie, but like today I was like, Hey, you know, that's kind of convenient. Like, (laughs) and they just put a sewer cap on it. I I would think if there is this big massive hole in the ground that you'd have that thing surrounded with guns or, you know, whatever. And like anything that pokes its head out, just like, you're just going to, it's just like a nuclear explosion going off every 20 minutes under the water, you know? Yeah. Boom! Yeah. <laughs> well, we had another attempted kaiju breach. Yeah, you know? right, right. I don't know. I never questioned that now, that ever, until right now. But yeah, they could have had defenses everywhere. Because like the Shatter Dome, where they just store, the garage where they store the Jaegers has a bunch of defenses uh-huh. so they knew that they have to defend themselves right why not bring it right to them yeah no in- you know? instead we're gonna build the life wall <laughs> <laughs> but no or that, that's hey. something that you could make fun of it, it's something but there's this there's this one guy he has one line in the whole movie right and it's like because they build the wall and then a kaiju comes it's like fuck your wall you know yeah but then one guy goes in the back. He goes, "What are we building this for?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I heard that. That was good. So I'm like, "Ah, there you go." Because it's it, it, it's people trying to uh, have a good idea go forward because they think it'll help when it doesn't. And we see that in life all the time. You know, where it's yeah. like that's where I know you're just going to go forward because you think it's a good idea but yeah. it's really a bad idea. Right. And we all know it's a bad idea because we just saw how bad of an idea it actually is. So, walls, not going to stop the kaiju. But yeah, the guy the guy in the background, all the way in the back is right. Why are we building this wall? <laughs> well, No, yeah. Defenses in the in the ocean would be a good good plan moving forward. Yeah. Just keep that in mind when when this happens to us in real life. <laughs> put the put the defenses underwater immediately, uh-huh. you know. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I I I enjoyed it. You know, I mean, I I think we've said it. Um, I I think it's worth checking out if you haven't seen it, which I'm probably the last horse to cross the finish line on that one. Possibly. But, uh, you know, it's it's a movie that I would show. Um, you know, like uh, younger people that haven't really seen. Like, be, because it's, like, modern, but it's still, like, a movie that they probably haven't seen or heard of. Because it, it's not some mega franchise. Right. And they know? don't have to spend too much time, like, knowing a backstory or where things have come from or mm-hmm. anything like that. And also, it's... I think certain types of even Godzilla movies. Don't get mad at me, Internet. But I think it's like coffee, where it's like you kind of have to get an acquired taste for it and kind of understand the humor a little bit and warm up to that before you can really appreciate like the filmmaking side of it, you know? And also I think for some people, the price, like it's too much, it costs too much. Like the price of admission is too high because they're looking at a, a guy in a rubber suit instead of a, a real life looking monster. Does that make sense? A photo real CGI. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my argument. Sorry. I still think they're great, but it is just a guy in a suit, you know? Well, and I was going to say that I I wouldn't have been, because this was Legendary Pictures, which makes the Mm -hmm. Godzilla movies now, and I I would have been like, oh, is this, like, what they took for, like, proof of concept for, like, this is why you should trust Americans with making this Godzilla movie that's currently going on? And now, it was probably in the works before that, because the very next year was when the Cranston Godzilla came out. Mm-hmm. So it, it it wouldn't have been something that you could... I mean, I'm sure that they pointed to that, to this, and be like, see, look, see, we know what we're doing. But yeah. it wasn't like, hey, because of this, we just landed Godzilla and turned it around, and yeah. the year didn't happen. Yeah. I agree. Well, and, you know, I think... uh, uh Del Toro would love to know that this is the reason why I've watched other Godzilla movies beyond Matthew Broderick because of this one, you know, which I think served his purpose because he wanted to emulate the stuff he saw. You and, know? and he so. wanted to, to introduce a new generation to 
to Mecca and, and Kaiju movies. Yes. Yeah. So success. You did it. Because now I own like six Japanese Godzilla movies. You know, I think about 10 altogether total with the other Godzilla stuff, you know? So, yes. Great. Love it. I'm probably going to watch it again in short succession. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, give us a like and a follow on our social media platforms. You can find us on Facebook and on Instagram at Postcredits Podcast. Give us a like and a follow there, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're slowly creeping up on subscribers. So we it would help us greatly because at 100, we get our social or we get our custom URL, which would be fantastic for, you know, analytics. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, that, that'd be nice. Uh, we're a lot <laughs> further ahead on the audio platform than we are in the video, being that we just launched that. It's a whole different animal. So if you can give yeah. us some love on YouTube, we'd appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.